gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamentalism Podcast, the podcast where we help bring to light a little more of what's good in the world as opposed to all the crap that's not right now. Now, we do that by featuring amazing individuals that are living their fun and creating fun in the lives of others. We got a doozy for you. But before we get to him, I am your host, Paul J. Long, author, uh, speaker, podcaster, master of shenanigans. And I want to shout out to uh, our sponsor. They've been with us from the jump, charliehustle.com. If you, if you know nothing about Charlie Hustle, you know, the Chiefs went ham most recently. Uh, they consistently do it week in, week out. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing my Charlie Hustle rolling with my homie shirt right now. Go to charliehustle.com uh, if you, if you want to learn more. Now, without further ado, this gentleman and I crossed paths years ago, and I got to tell you, I have uh, I've spoken at hundreds and hundreds of engagements, and this, to this day, was the most memorable engagement that I've ever had the opportunity to be at. Uh, my man is an author. Uh, my man is a professional dunk artist. My man has the greatest content out there on Instagram. Uh, he melts the girlies' hearts with his eyes and crushes a man's soul with his dunks. My guy, Chris Staples. What's good, fam? What's going on, man? How you doing? Dude, I'm on cloud nine and rising now. I mean, I I'm not to your level because I know you got that, that <laughs> jump man kit, but, uh, but I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. Hey, uh, have you on the show. Hey, listen, uh, we're blessed to have you. Uh, you're an individual that uh, I wanted to have on for two primary reasons. But before I state those reasons, I got to ask you, this is the jump. Every single guest we ever have. What do you do for fun, brother? I do what I love for fun. I create content. <laughs> I, that, that's my fun. That is. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do. And, you know, that is uh, a perfect segue to one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on here is uh, because there's a lot of Instagram follows out there. There's a lot of YouTube follows out there. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to research. I'm trying to find folks that that help lift me up because I'm sure that you're well aware society uh, is kind of a dark place if that's what we want to focus on. And uh, every now and again, you'll, you'll come across some content like you. Uh, everybody underscore hates Chris S. Why does everybody hate you, man? <laughs> well, first, that's my favorite show. If you hate <laughs> Chris, like I'm like, that's cool. You know, everybody hates Chris, and it's it's, it's a good show. Like people really, in the show really didn't hate him. You know, he just had you know things going on. But um, so no, and at the same time, as a competitor, you know, you want to make sure your opponents are well aware of who you are. You know, and that's and that's a good thing. It's like that mind, like. You, you love them, but you got it. You hate them, but you love them. You know, that's right. and that's kind of the thing I, um, I've always like went with while I grow my platform. That's that, uh, that Kevin Garnett mentality. That's that, uh, you come on the, you come on the scene with Kevin Garnett. He's going to immediately let you know where you are. Uh, exactly. you're at his kingdom. So, <laughs> uh, so that, that is the first reason why I wanted you on here is because your content is amazing. Like, just as a creative and as a as an individual that really admires people uh, bearing their all, bearing their soul, uh, I love imagery. Uh, I love music. I love people that are creating fun in the lives of others, and uh, that brings me to you. So I was doing a little bit of research, Chris, before we jumped on here, and I came across this article uh, in Sports Illustrated that you did, and I'm gonna read this quote if you don't mind. So you said, uh, people say, why aren't you in the NBA? Well, playing in the NBA, that's one job in basketball. And I have another job in basketball. They're both great. I'm doing what I love. 
and I make people happy. I mean, it's not like I'm struggling. The way I look at it, I'm a normal guy. It's just that I'm blessed to be able to fly for a little while anyway. But what I love about that quote is I make people happy. And you do that not just with your content, but what you do for work. So where did that come from? Has that always been something that's been a part of your DNA and that you, you want to bring joy to others? Or is that something that you found throughout time? Well, I mean, of course, I think I've always wanted to bring joy to others. I didn't know which direction I was going to go. You know, as a young kid, you're just thinking about playing basketball. And maybe that's not the initial thing. Like, I want to bring joy to people. I just want to play basketball. But once I got to a point where, you know, I started creating content just because I wanted to put on the Internet and then actually meeting people who actually watch that content. And when and they would come up to me and say, man, I watch your stuff. I love this. I love that. It made me it encouraged me to do it more. I want to do it more like, man, like, hey, I never you watch my stuff. and You live here and or whatever. Like now I'm out there inspired by hearing that. And it made me want to continue to like make content for people like that. Well, uh, I mean, one of, one of the images that really pops up on your IG feed, of course, is you dunking over that. Uh, I think it's a pink Cadillac. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. So it's fire. I mean, that thing is just, it pops, but of course it showcases your skill set, right? I mean, you have the ability to make a living at something that not only gives others joy, but it gives you an incredible amount of joy. So I know you're fresh off of a trip uh, to Qatar. I mean, like you're fresh back. I don't know where this man sleeps or how he gets the opportunity to. You took down another dunk contest. Uh, but how did how did dunking find you? Like, how did how did you end up here? Oh, like that's that's crazy. But, um, you know, I, I was actually trying to play overseas basketball <clears throat> and I was in Spain in 2012 working out with teams, Spain went through a crisis where they couldn't pay everyone because it was like 2012, they had a big crisis and a lot of banks closed. So the first team to go was the basketball teams and they only could pay the locals. So I ended up having to go back home and that was like a big crusher for me. Like, man, like maybe basketball isn't my thing. Even though I was really good at dunking, I was all, I want to excel just in playing basketball. And I ended up trying out for the Harlem Globetrotters after that. Came back home, tried out for the Globetrotters made the team, you know, I, I reached out to the team myself. They didn't come find me. <laughs> I reached out to them. And, uh, it's the thing about like following your dreams. And so I'm like, Hey, look, I want to still play basketball. I took a leap of faith and reached out to them, worked out. And the globe tries actually helped me school me as far as excelling with my talent, mm-hmm. you know, and not just being a good basketball player, but what are you best at? I was best at slam dunking. And so what we did, we, we're on tour and I just started to do it more and more and more and it started to perfect the craft of it. And then that thing that just led to more opportunities um, after the team. That's something that I completely forgot about uh, that you told me when we first met years ago at CES that -hmm. you were a part of the Globetrotters. And that's amazing uh, that you had the humility enough to just pick up the phone and call. Right. Mm Because I know so many folks that, they want to do something, Chris, like I, I want to write a book or I want to be an actor or I want to dunk professionally or I want to play for the Globetrotters. But then we convince ourselves that we're not ready. Oh, I got to get I got to get my handles right or uh, I got to get my story done first. I got to. And so we just procrastinate and procrastinate. And if you're constantly waiting for the right time, you're going to be waiting forever. Right. It's never so, going to be the right time. It's hey. never going to be the right time. You make your move before you're ready. 
And so but always be ready. But always feel like you're ready. Prepare for the job that you want, you know, and even before you have the job. So how how were you prepared? How did you prepare yourself uh, to, to be ready when you made that call? What led up to that day? So I wasn't sure, you know, like I didn't know I was going to get on the team. I was just sending out emails like, hey, look, I'm a 6'2 guard with a 45 vertical leap. You guys need a you guys need someone to be on your team. And that's really what I was just putting that out there, you know, because I knew that was a rare, uh, that's rare to hear. Like you have a 40 something inch vertical leap. Like we need to at least see you in person. <laughs> and so when I, when I left Spain, I went back to work a regular job. I was a rehab assistant and I was working at Walmart on the side. Mm. Like I was doing those two jobs at the same time. But after I got off work, I would go play, I would go play basketball for like throughout the middle of the night. Like there was a 24 hour gym. I would go hoop there. Like, throughout the week. And I just, because I never knew if a team overseas was going to hit me up from all the emails I've sent, but I wanted to make sure I was still in shape. And at the same time, I just loved the game. I, I still, I've stayed in shape. And so when the globe trots gave me that call and they called me for a, a, a tryout, which I had no idea how a tryout would work with the globe trotters. Yes. They wanted to see me dunk. And I'm like, well, I dunk all the time. So this is nothing to me, but had I, had I not, been prepared, you know, had I just been sitting around working my regular job, I probably wouldn't have been in the shape and been ready on the, on the day of tryouts. So do you remember that day? Like when you tried out, what, walk us through like what that tryout even looked like. I was so nervous, you know, because (laughs) I got there and they gave us a day to rest. It was in Houston, Texas. And I had a roommate who was just like bragging so much like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to be on the team. I know three or four guys on the team. And I'm just like, I don't even know anything about the Globetrotters. I'm just here, you know, and I don't know what's going on, what the next day is going to bring. And so when we actually had the, the tryout and they wanted to see everything, you know, I was just doing my thing. I wasn't sure whether it was good or bad. You know, they're telling me to smile more. I'm still like, you know, in the pro, pro basketball level mindset, the college mindset of just like playing really hard, physical you know, and I, I didn't know too much about the show basketball. And when it came to the dunking part, that was, that became fun to me. Like, oh, I can do this. Now I'm really good. <laughs> and so I started to do my dunks and then people were looking at me like, wow, okay. He's like, even the guys who were trying to be slam dunkers on the team, they were, they were kind of like standing to the side and it became like a, a show for me. And I remember the, the guy who recruited me, he came up to me after, after the dunk session and was like, uh, you have a job at home? And I say, yeah. He's like, yeah, you should quit that job. Whoa. And I was just like, wow. I didn't quit the job. <laughs> I didn't quit. I said, well, when he sent me a contract, I'll quit. But I went back home. Like, that was cool to hear. Right. You know, at the same time, it, it was motivating, you know, to, you know, to be sure, like, when I got on the team that I wasn't going to mess it up. That's cool that it, like that moment, it validates you, right? Like you feel good because somebody else recognizes what you recognize in yourself. Uh, but to take that one step further that, uh, that you heard that and you still didn't act, like you still wanted to make sure your plan was in order uh, to ensure uh, the maximum probability of success. Because a lot of folks would have heard that and say, all right, I'm going to dip on this job and then make yeah. this happen, right? But that's but, what I did when I went to Spain. I, I dipped on my job. And then Spain went through a crisis and I'm like, I quit my job to be here. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and I, it didn't happen. So I'm like, no, I'm not taking that chance again. I don't know, you know, what what the Globe Trotters really do. And sure. Uh, I know they take advantage of the Washington Generals consistently. What, what the Washington Generals ever do to you, man? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> you know what? They're our opponents. Our goal is to win. <laughs> nah, if I know one thing about the Harlem Globetrotters, your goal is to entertain. That's what it is. For sure. We <laughs> today, too. Our record is pretty good. <laughs> I think so. I think, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I, I feel like the, suck, the, the world will get sucked up into the abyss if the Washington Generals beat the Harlem Globetrotters. That just ain't part of the script. That, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> so, you know, this is a, that phenomenon, like everything that you just talked about with a, being a Harlem Globetrotter and the entertainment and the showmanship that it takes to be able to entertain at that level is an interesting dynamic uh, based on my experience with you. So years ago, uh, I was emceeing a deal for Intel out at CES and they hired these dunk elite artists. Now, I'm a student of the game. Like, I love basketball. I like you. I, I never got to your level. Although, I will say, uh, I have never been dunked on, uh, like, in my life, you know? I mean, like, people go up, like, they try to dunk on me, and you know what it is. Like, I just... Rejected! Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> have you ever been dunked on, Chris? <laughs> Yeah, I've been dunked on. Before. Oh, you're so honest. I never. I, I, I know. I want to say no, but <laughs> as a basketball player and a slam dunker, I, it would be crazy to say, "Yeah, I've never been dunked on." You know. All right. So you're making too many attempts to go up to say never. That's true. I, all right. Maybe may have been dunked on a couple of times, but uh, nevertheless, my point is, we meet each other at CES. They hire Dunk Elite, and we got Jordan Kilgannon, Jordan Sutherland, yourself. Uh, who's the other dude with the? Who else was there? Justin Darlington. Yeah, Justin Darlington. And so you guys are just, like, I'm in awe. Like, I don't get, I don't know about you, but when I see uh, celebrities or something like that, like, I don't get off, like, I don't get awestruck. That stuff doesn't bother me. But when I see, like, creatives or skill or what you guys were doing, like, I was a kid in a candy shop because, like, that was my dream. I never wanted to dunk like that, but to make a living out of something that gives me so much joy. And to see you guys doing it, I was like, man, I just want to, I just want to soak up the knowledge. So, you know, every single person, the personalities there, like on the Dunk Elite squad, were like this big. And then I met you and you were like, dude, you were, you're, you're probably one of the most confident people I've ever met, but it doesn't come across as uh, arrogant. It doesn't come across as boisterous. You're not loud. You're like the silent assassin. Like everybody right. else is talking that stuff and you're just in the corner just ready to turn up. Like, and so when I start following you and I, I see all the stuff that you're doing, you're like in the scheme of, uh, of influence, I feel like you're the biggest personality, but yet of the people I met that day, you weren't. So how does that manifest? Like, have you always been like a lay in the cut type guy? And do you have to dial it up to, to be whatever's going to get more eyes on you? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate the compliment. But, you know, for, for me, I just remember I, I have a humble mentality because I remember where I was. I remember, you know what, man, I'm working. I'm 25 years old and I'm working at Walmart and uh, have this other job. You know, I'm, I remember those times and the grind it took to get where I am. So I'm, I'm always humbled by that because I know where I could be. And, you know, always keep that in mind. At the same time, you never, I never want to be a, an arrogant person, but you know, I'm, I'm always locked in. So like the CES event, 
that was a crazy event. I was just, I was happy to be there. But at the same time, I'm like, it's going to be a show. I'm excited. But at the same time, I'm locked in. I want to make sure I give these people a good show. You never know who's going to be watching. Who's going to see you that day. And so I want to make sure that first impression is going to be the best impression. Like, you know what? I, I seen that guy, Chris Staples on YouTube before. Now I'm seeing him in person. He's doing the same thing he does on YouTube. Like this is legit, you know? And so I always keep that in mind, you know, because that first impression means a lot. It does. And what's amazing about not just CES and that experience, but, but what you do, like you don't have to be a fan of basketball to appreciate the value that you offer others because I mean, the skill set that it takes and the athleticism to, I mean, I'm literally emceeing this. I'm talking to the microphone and you guys are jumping over me as it's happening, right? And, uh, and Shaq comes in. I mean, uh, had right. you met Shaq before that? Was it? Uh, yes, I think I did meet him. At, it was for, for, Dunk, uh, for Dunk King when we did the Dunk King on TNT. Man, that dude's got, I mean, talk about a personality. That's yeah. like... Uh, a couple of people that I look up to in life, not just because like what they accomplished, but I love the rock. I love Shaq. Like I love Ric Flair. I love all these people that just have this, like this, uh, this personality, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Where you just like, if you ever just like dial in onto some of my videos, I always do the Ric Flair. Woo. Do you like, for real? Yeah. When I dunk, you'll hear me say, Always, always. I'm missing out. Well, first of all, uh, it's a damn shame because I ain't even a subscriber to your YouTube channel and I got to fix that. Uh, So I'm going to go out immediately after that and do this. But um, when I think about your skill set and your athleticism and all that, uh, like, where did that come from? I mean, I know that you just dropped a bounce kit, right? A new new jump program. Um, Is that something that you follow it coming up or or is, is a lot of it just in your DNA? You've always had hops. Um, I've, I think I've always had hop. Maybe since like ninth grade, I realized like I can grab the rim. I was like five seven. I grabbed the rim. And I'm like, man, and I became addicted to it after that. Like I'm like, I can, gra-. and I I was only grabbing it, but I'm like, I could dunk even though I'm only grabbing the rim. And so I just became addicted to doing that ever since the ninth grade. Um, and then I finally, when I finally started to dunk, the addiction just grew even more, you know, and I just couldn't get rid of it. Because I seen the excitement of people, you know, I can go and play basketball and make a three. A three-pointer is cool. Don't get me wrong, you know, but it's not as cool in, until you, like, you make someone fall and then you shoot the three-pointers. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't have the handles to make someone fall like that. I would just make the three. But when I got the dunk, I would see people do this, and I'm like, I like that reaction. So I had to work on my handles to get the dunk, to get to the hole and, and get the reaction of the crowd. And so it just, like I said, it became an addiction. But then as far as like the showmanship and things like that, when you may see contests, a lot of that comes from the Globetrotters. They really groomed me because we were in front of such a big crowd. Now I'm not as shy, as nervous after a while, you know, touring everywhere. And, you know, they want us to have a good time on the court. And so I learned a lot of that from, I have to give them credit to that because it helped me out with, as far as gaining personality on the court, you know? And so once I left the team, it became a rarity when you see that in a dunk contest, but I'm, I was used to it, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. So do you think that, uh, I know obviously you have to have some form of athleticism to be able to, to jump, to cut, to handle, whatever it may be. Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget the day that, uh, so I, I was always, 
I got decent hops. Like I could, I could, uh, I could do a tall box jump without, without bending my legs. Right. But I can't dunk consistently. Like I, uh, I used to dunk like one every 15 times and it's, it's all mental. But when I was hanging out with you guys, uh, Jordan Kilgannon, I think it was, I was trying to dunk. And, you know, of course that's, that could be somewhat humbling and sobering when I'm trying to do that around y'all. Uh, but I'm trying to dunk and he was like, Hey, let me show you something. And, uh, in literally two and a half minutes, he showed me a technique where I, I was, and I think the bulk of society would do this too. We're running towards the basket, right? And we try and leap and our momentum is carrying us forward, right? So we're jumping more out as opposed to up. So he said, just slow down. And I want you to focus on looking straight up. And, and immediately, I bet you I added, I don't know, three to six inches to my vert. So my question to you is, uh, with your new program or uh, as you're training with folks, do you do you believe that um, knowing that you have to have some form of athleticism, do you believe for the most part that if, if if somebody can can jump or if they're somewhat athletic that they can ultimately dunk? Yes, 100%, 100%. You look at a guy like Jordan Kilgannon, he isn't naturally like that. He worked, he worked, he shows his progress throughout the years like he always fell in love with dunking but someone like him you're like ah i don't know he's not a super built muscular guy like his legs are they won't i mean if unless he worked on they would be like chicken legs (laughs) but at the same time he has such a great technique he just how you said he showed you just in an instant hey do work on this imagine if you did that worked on that every day you in two minutes you had three to six inches on your vertical. Right. You're like, man, if I work on this every day, maybe I can get 12 inches on my vertical within five months. For sure. And so my, like my jump program, what I'm trying to show people is that you can do stuff at home. You don't need a weight room. You just need consistency and technique. I knew a guy back in high school who can jump 7-1 on a high jump. I couldn't jump 7-1. But the funny thing is this guy couldn't jump higher than me when it came to slam dunking because he didn't have the technique. Uh, and so technique is a lot. And that's what I try to teach in the program that you don't need to sit here and be in a gym um, where you're doing squats and things like that. You can be at home. You can do at home exercises to increase the vertical. Well, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. And I always learned from my hip hop days that you can't ever sweat the technique. So uh, what we're thinking about uh, skill set and thinking about this jump program for you, you know, one thing that I know about what you do, not only for profession, but for fun, it's hell on the body. Like I was doing box jumps yesterday and uh, like I could immediately start to feel like soreness, tendonitis in my knees. Uh, what is your health like? And do you find that the constant like, you know, landing and, and, and you know, up and down on your knees and all that stuff is, is not necessarily something that, uh, that used to be for you at a younger age? For sure. Like, uh, I mean, I would say, yeah, of course you're going to be sore. Like, I mean, you look like you a guy that's been, been in the weight room. I'm sure when you're, if you haven't been in the weight room in a couple of months and you go back there first day, you're going to feel your, your chest is going to be sore. Like, man, like, and then eventually the more you go in there, the more repetition you get, those soreness starts to go away a lot quicker. For me, it's always about rest. And that's, and that's what any, know your body, know when to rest. Don't overdo it. Don't say, all right, well, you know, I keep doing, no, don't overdo it. It's a, it's a, it's a way to do it. You know, it's a way to go about it. And so with me, I take a lot of rest. You know, I go, I, I may do my thing one or two days. I'm resting the third day, mm-hmm. complete rest, you know, 
um, stretching, massaging, things like that to, you know, lessen the pain at the end of the day. But I, now I don't, I don't even have pain. You know, at this age, I, I don't even have pain. It's just because I just know, I know how my body works, you know, and, um, and yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's technique, you know, where I don't have those land, I don't have those landing problems so I can play on concrete or the basketball court. It's about, about all that small stuff that goes into it. Well, so that's what I recall when I was in high school. You know, I had them jump soles. You remember those jump soles that they, with the big, the big old <laughs> platforms, right? Uh, and I used to, I used to work at a, uh, at a, a rec facility. And so I'd be loading up the, the, hit the batting cages with balls. And I have my jump soles all walking around to get all the balls like a knucklehead. Right. But then I'd also do those, uh, those jump programs and, and, they would be so crazy. Like it's, you know, 200 quick jumps, like, you know, in 30, whatever the seconds is. Right. And like, you know, as high as you can for, uh, you know, 15 reps, you know, 10 times or whatever it may be. And, uh, like you said, and I greatly appreciate you saying this and noticing, but I, I do, I'm very active. I love lifting. Uh, but the more I jump and the repetition of that, that, that pain really doesn't ease for me. So is that built into your program too? Is, is it a lot of repetitions and like, like fast twitch jumps and all that stuff? Or do you build, uh, is it different? Is it really solely focused on technique? I'm sure it's a combination of the two, right? For the most part, it's, def- it's focused on technique. And so what I've created, I created a 60 day workout, 60 days of just doing this stuff. Like a lot of times you won't even break too much of a sweat. You actually just be waking your body up. So like the first phases is waking the body up, getting those muscles uh, comfortable, you know, and, and getting them adjusted to the next exercise. You're going to, from exercise to exercise to exercise. So you might do this. It may take, this is the day one. And you're like, well, day one didn't feel like anything, but then you start adding a little bit more, a little bit more. And then, you know, it's not a lot of rep, like a lot of like 200 of this or 200 of that, you know, like if I'm being honest, I wouldn't do stuff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you want some of these jump programs, are I always say, are the are these guys really slam dunkers? Really, or you know, it's sometimes sometimes you actually need the real thing, you know. Yes. And I have a coach, but at the same time, you you have we have a, a legit guy who who does this for a living. It takes a different effect on it. And it's not just because I'm athletic or anything like that. It's hey, these are some of the things that I've done to get to this level, and these some of the, and I'm just giving you some of my knowledge on what, how can it can help you at the end of the day. And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's how the program works. And it's something that I don't think anyone will be, you're going to be sore a little bit, but that's with any exercise. Sure. You get used to it. And I, I don't mind being sore. It's really just like, you know, that tendon, you know, what I struggle with Chris is identifying what part of just general soreness from doing something that I don't typically do. And what part is being old, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I've had three knee surgeries. Uh, I don't have any cartilage in there. So determining uh, what's overkill and what's not is really a challenge for me. But let's get down to brass tacks. Your boy's turning 40 in July, and I have a goal uh, to be able to dunk uh, consistently prior to that day. I could grab the rim with two hands right now. If I come away from this interview and I go buy your program, is your, go- is your boy going to be able to dunk? By the time I was 40? You will be able to dunk. And you say you're grabbing rim with two hands? Yeah. You'll be able to dunk. You All will right. be able to, I literally just just helped. Uh, I'm not sure if you know who Devin the Lab is. Uh-uh. Crazy basketball dribbler, whatever. He, he can grab rim with two hands. He was telling me, hey, I can grab rim with two hands. This is like five months ago. Okay. We went to the gym in one day. In one day, he was like dunking a tennis ball. 
by the end of the day, he I threw him an alley oop. He dunked it with one hand. I'm in. Right. One, we're talking. We're talking one day, and that's just like me and him talking. He he's not going through any programs. Taught the technique, and you said you can grab with two hands. Yeah, we add three inches to that. You're dunking the ball. All right, all right. You hey, you you got a new client, son. I'm going <laughs> into Instagram right now. I'm clicking the link, and I got to tell you, uh, you hey, you're killing you're killing this interview. I mean, some would say he's on fire. <laughs> uh, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so you're an actor. Uh, you were actually featured. You were the lead in a movie called Slamma Jamma, right? And uh, man, when I said you got eyes that would make the girlies' hearts melt, I mean, if you could see this dude, first of all, go over to YouTube and check this dude out because uh, you may not know this about Chris Staples, but my guy was actually, do you call it a contestant? You were on The Bachelorette. Is it a contestant? Is that what it is? Yeah, I was a contestant. But that makes it sound like it's a game. I know, it was weird. Uh, I don't know, a participant? I yeah. don't know. Exactly. What was that experience like going on The Bachelorette? Because when I told my wifey, who is a big fan of The Bachelorette, that I was interviewing you, she was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, man, that show was that was it was a fun experience. You know, like, I mean, you get a chance to meet a beautiful woman. You know, you're on a show with 30 guys. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if she likes me, we can go. We can go somewhere with this. Right. Um, At the same time, we're on TV. They want us to you know, bring something special, you know, night one, you know, some people are showing up in different types of cars and have different types of antics. I like, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. I'm good. You know, and so me, I'm going to slam dunk over. Why not? Like, if you guys know me, you shouldn't be surprised. And so, uh, you know, I know when I went on the show, some people are like, of course, I don't know how he's going to do this, how he's going to figure this out, but he's going to slam dunk on the show. And that's what I did. Um, but it was a it was a great experience. You know, I'm still friends with the uh, the bachelorette, the foreign bachelorette. Okay. Yeah. You know, we're cool. But um, yeah, it was it was good. Hey, you're more than fr- I mean, you're not more than friends, but I see her in your Instagram content. <laughs> yeah, we actually we, we did another uh, we did another YouTube video about the bachelorette. Yeah. So well, you know, the, the season started back up just not long ago, and I'm like, hey, why not we collab and do this video? So, so was that before or after the movie? This is after the movie. Okay. So uh, I'm guessing to be on The Bachelorette, you, again, just like you picked up the phone to the Harlem Globetrotters, you got to submit your name and, and tell them why you think you'd fit. Is that an accurate assessment? For the most part, yeah. They gave me a call because my mom submitted me. <laughs> I had no idea. I was actually on set doing something, and I get a call. I'm like, they're like, yeah, your mom submitted you. I'm like, let me call you back. <laughs> call my mom like, what are you doing? Hey, but real talk, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, talk to me about the movie. Like, how did that come about? Did you have to, was that, I mean, that seems like a role that was just built for you uh, based on uh, the plot of the movie. Was that something that you had to put in for or was it built around you? Because again, I mean, it is literally, it seems like it's your story. Yeah, no, but uh, it, it's not my story. I couldn't can't take credit for it. Um, but the director reached out to me. Just you know, it's funny because I had a, I had a website at the time, a different website, and he emailed me through this website. I have a really small. I'm like, how do you even get this this website? Like it's so like local, you would never know. It wasn't being promoted or anything. But uh, he found me, and 
I asked him, how did he find me? And he said he typed in the word slam dunk on YouTube. And I was the first video that popped up. There it is. That's the SEO. <laughs> there you go. And that's where I'm like, I'm about, I'm going to start creating real content from this point because you just never know who's going to type in certain words or who's going to, who, where the feed may pop up onto someone's in front of someone's eyes. And then they take a leap of faith from that point. And so, um, yeah, it worked out. He he messaged me and I'm like, of course, absolutely. <laughs> and did I see on your Instagram that you guys are messing around or toying around with the idea of a part two? We're toying around with the idea of part two. Look at sure. you go. Man. <laughs> so I got a million questions I want to ask you. This, this is going to be more of a speed round. But uh, before I get into those, talking about you as a content creator, I, I, uh, I'm a speaker. So first and foremost, like my sole responsibility, my sole goal in life is to be the reason why people smile. Like, to showcase real tactical behaviors that they could incorporate in their lives to bring more joy, fun, and fulfillment to their day. So like my primary responsibility, I don't care about social. I just, I wanna be in front of audiences and give them things that they could do to increase the amount of smiles that they have, right? But uh, my stuff wasn't taken off with just that premise because people don't know what you do unless they know what you do, right? Unless you tell them. And right. so I really struggled, Chris, with the thought of social specifically with me and my role, because I have to market myself. Like I have to market myself as a speaker and it just felt grimy. It felt narcissistic to me. So I'm in the infancy stages of my social media growth and uh, I'm putting out good content. Like I got a video crew that we do a lot of fun, fundamental videos. Uh, they're funny. Uh, they're, they're well done. And I don't, I don't get many views and it's for multiple reasons. Uh, I don't try real hard. I, I don't put any marketing into it. I don't tell people to go there. They don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I guess uh, to, to tie all that together, outside of just having an amazing content, because I know that that's the most important thing, what did you do to grow your social media following or influence? That's a great question because what I did, I continue to do what I love to do. You know, I'm, when I first started doing Instagram, I didn't know I would post my dog on there. I, <laughs> I would do the most random stuff. I just thought Instagram was like Facebook, like, oh, this is another Facebook or whatever. And, but, I, you know, I started posting basketball. And so what I did, I was at Venice Beach, didn't know this was going to be a thing. I was at Venice Beach, my second time in California. And there was this, there was a woman there and my friend said, hey, man, you should jump over her and slam dunk the ball. And I'm like, I'm not really good at jumping over people yet. This is, you know, 2014, maybe. I'm like, I'm not that good. He's like, oh, who, who cares? Just try it. And I'm like, all right. So I went and asked her. I'm like, you mind if I jump over you? And she's like, yeah. And she had a bathing suit on, I'm not going to lie. It looked nice. Everything was nice. <laughs> so, like, I jump over her and I tried to go between the legs. And even though I missed the dunk completely, my friend was behind and he was taking this picture. So you have this beautiful girl, basketball hoop, me slam dunking the ball, palm trees in the back, and a sunset. Right. And he took this picture. Now, I didn't make the dunk, but the picture, the still was so awesome. I put it on Instagram the next day. Thousands and thousands. Now, I probably only had a thousand followers at the time. Right. Thousands of views. You see him, Ball is Life reposting it. You know, big sites at the time. They're all posting it. Um, and I'm like, wow, people like that. That's the first picture that people actually liked uh, that I wasn't getting 20, 20 likes on. This is thousands. I'm like, wow. 
So what I did was I'm, I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to feed my audience what they like. So it may be a bunch of things. I've had hundreds and thousands of things that didn't hit. But then when I found the one that hit with me doing something I like to do, I continue to feed my audience. I continue to feed the algorithm of whatever social platform is on. Right. So, all right, cool. So what I did was made a shirt out of it. I'm like, hey, this is, I made this shirt. I Put took that, that image. That same image I put on a shirt. I put on a website and people started buying it. And I'm like, okay, it was just a little bit here, but you know, it wasn't something that made a lot of money, but it was like something that kept promoting. And so then when I started going out to Venice Beach, every time I found, hey, how you doing? Can I jump over you? Now I did a different image and people started to love it. And so I'm like, all right, this is what they start. And then I started to create and start to evolve from there. All right, I can do a girl. Maybe I can do a video the next time. Maybe I can actually make this dunk and make this, this picture a video. And now it's just feeding my audience. And then I just started to grow from that point. And so it's all about anything that become like, you know, anything that gets more likes than usual. I give my audience that mm. because they'll, they'll like it again. So you replicate it. That's really smart. Um, are, so hashtags, are, uh, I know like the algorithm thing is what really messes me up. Right. Like I feel like something is the most amazing piece of content that I get. And to your point or that I have and it'll have like three, four likes. My biggest challenge is, Chris, I don't know if people are even seeing it. So are you right. doing hashtags and stuff like that important? Now, when I'm on, now, if I'm using TikTok, I do hashtags. And the great thing about TikTok is you can click the hashtag button and it'll tell you what, like, what are the most popular hashtags right now, mm. which is good because you're like, all right, well, I'll just hashtag that. And so maybe it'll pop up somewhere in that feed and it, it goes from there. I don't do it as much on Instagram as I used to. Um, I'm just because Instagram. So Instagram only shows like maybe three percent of your fan base. Thank your you. Your content. Yeah. That's the, the, the difference. So like, let's just say Kevin Hart makes a post, right? Yes. It has a million views in the first day, right? That's nice. But Kevin Hart has 50, 100 million followers, if you think about that. So that's really not a lot of numbers. Right. He has 100 million, 100 million followers on Instagram with a million views on a video. That's great. What's the percentages of that? Yeah. So, I mean, so give me 1,000 followers, maybe, maybe have 100. Yes. So... That's where you have to learn the algorithm of that. Like, all right, it's not just me. This is everyone. But at the same time, you have to continue to push. And then you have to put consistent content out there. Consistency will get you because eventually someone will catch wind of it. And then you go from there. So with the consistency, um, so obviously I know a lot of people watch the stories. How often do you post on your stories versus uh, an actual post on Instagram? I post my stories all the time. Like, I mean, I'm always putting content. It's usually someone that probably reposts something that I do and then I'll repost it and I'll keep going from there. Yeah. But I create a relationship with my audience. Yes. So for sure. If I'm going somewhere, Hey, I'm headed here. I'm going to create content with this person. I got an interview today. I'll do stuff like that to where now my audience kind of can see what's going on throughout my day or what I decide to share with them. Yeah, we feel like we're a part of your journey. And and thank you for that, for the record. Like I never have, that's another thing that I'm terrible at doing. Like I, uh, I'm very big on the universe happens as and when it should. I think I even text you that when your internet was sp- suspect out in Qatar, right? 
Right. And so I never have uh, an expectation that if I invite you on, that you're going to spread the word. Matter of fact, I don't even ask people to do that. And so I think, honestly, you're, you're like one of the first, I feel like every single time I've said that you're coming on, you've put it on your story, which I greatly appreciate. So, uh, but from like a post perspective on IG, how often do you do those? Do you do those daily as well? I used to like do it every a couple of times a week. Everything's like a drug. I post every day. Really? I really, I really look the day I won the dunk contest. Yes. I posted three times that day. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. And I appreciate it because that content was fire. Yeah, look, I'm gonna keep keep it going. Just go, you're gonna see it somewhere. I'm, <laughs> I used to care about that stuff, but then now I'm like, I don't care. Right. You know, you know, and I went, I went to Instagram headquarters and they were saying, use all the features, which is I can't knock Instagram, but you know, of course they're gonna say that. That's what you're supposed to say. Use everything that we put out there. Sure. You know, and they you know, one thing they told me was like, you know, because I'm like, no, if I use pictures, like it won't really do too much. Like it'll be OK, but not it won't grow my following. My following was mainly through a lot of video. That's where a lot of my views come from. But then the lady said, well, look on look on your explore page. How many pictures compared to videos are you seeing? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so you can go on your explore page. You see all these different pages, but mostly they're, they're pictures. Yeah. Twice about it. And so, you no, know, it's a it's a lot of little things you people figure out as they go. But you got to go. You got to see what where your content lies at, and that's where you go with the consistency of posting and to see what hits. Once that hits, keep feeding your audience that. And this right here, Chris, is why I have zero expectations when I go into things because I did not know. I mean, obviously, I saw that you have a social media following, but I didn't know. Uh, that I was going to get all this goodness uh, <laughs> and helping me grow my following and potentially you as the Fundamism Podcast listener. Hopefully you guys are taking notes like I am. Uh, so Chris, I know that you got a pretty significant YouTube following too. Is is that the same game? Like, is it the same strategy on YouTube? Obviously uh, not pictures, but video. How do you grow there? Same way, you know, like, I mean, I started working with a guy with the group of people who already were doing YouTube. So they were they kept telling me for like six months, Chris, you should start YouTube. I'm like, I would just go in there to help their content. Like, you know, I'll just come collaborate. I'm good with Instagram. I don't even know how YouTube works. Chris, start a YouTube, start a YouTube. I'm like, I have a YouTube page, but I don't touch it. I had 9,000 subscribers and I didn't, I was, I used to barely post on Instagram. Didn't even know it really like, oh, I have like nine. And he's like, Chris, if you don't start. And so I finally started and I started to learn, you know, I didn't know what, how to do my intro videos. I was just posting random stuff that I posted on the internet or right. on, on Instagram until I started to learn. The more you do it, the more it starts to grow. Eventually I did a video. The title was good. I had a great thumbnail and the video is right now is at 4.3 million views. Whoa. I'm like, I'm going to feed my audience that <laughs> from now until it runs dry because that's what they wanted to see. To this day, it's still getting views. So, like I posted this video in February. I looked at the video today. In the last 48 hours, it's had 8,000 views. I posted it in February. People are still watching the video. That's crazy. So I, st- I, give my, I give my viewers the content they ask for. You know, like, hey, I know what video they're going to hit. Sometimes I try to swing it and try to go a different direction. It may be a little less views, but you have to train your audience. Sure, for sure. Man, you got me hyped. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> as we switch gears and we start to wrap this thing up, I know, again, first and foremost, uh, on any kind of social platform, and, and really, I think this boils back down to what I'm trying to accomplish with fundamentalism, and it's about bringing joy and fun and fulfillment to others. And so obviously, you have to you have to find strength in your own content or else your audience isn't going to connect with it. And so what I find amazing is that you've teamed up with some real amazing personalities uh, to collaborate on some of the content that you're doing. Like this dude, I think his name is Caleb Feimster. Is that right? Yeah, Caleb Feimster. That dude is funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, he is a character. Right? How did you guys connect? We all, we, we connected. I met, actually, Juggling Josh. Have you seen the guy that juggles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, he reached out to me uh, a couple of years ago. And he said, hey, let's do a collaboration video. I do juggling, you do slam dunking. I'm like, sure. I didn't really know much about Josh. We met at Venice Beach. We did this video. And usually I get a lot of attention at Venice Beach. He was getting a lot of attention that day. People knew who he was. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, they're walking up to him, like, grab, putting the, putting the phone in my hand, like, hey, can you take a picture of me and him? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, this is, it was different. But at the same time, he's a guy who's been on YouTube, been doing a social media platform for a while. I learned a lot from him. He was, he's friends with Caleb as well. And uh, that's how we all kind of came together and just started to, make ideas, make magic on the, on the internet. Man. And it is magic. I thought the latest one that I saw, you had a uh, three, they appear to be relatively young dribblers. Like they're, they're working on their handles. Uh, and they, uh, throw it to juggling. What is his name? Juggling what? Juggling Josh. Juggling Josh. And then I think he wraps up with you coming out of nowhere and dunking it. Yeah. We've created such like a, it's, it's great chemistry because we've been doing this stuff for a while. I have a Snapchat show called dunk day with Chris Staples. And he's featured on it a lot, you know. Um, and so making these shows, these episodes, we, we just, it started to get easy for us. It started to look easy, but we, it's because we kind of like know how each other work. I didn't even know Snapchat was still a thing. Didn't know it, but guess what? <laughs> still a thing. You ever get tired of posting all this stuff? Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, but at the same time, I'm like, man, like, I, I can I really complain about this? Yeah. You know, this is like my job, you know, and, and I tried to make it not seem like a job, you know, because doing a lot of these platforms, you start to have deadlines and things like that, especially if you have a show where they're like, hey, we post this show on every Monday. So we yes. need this. And it's a it's a it's always a process. So it's not just like, hey, I just made this video real quick and I put it on the Internet. Like, no, I made this video. I need to go get it edited. I need to have it like this, have it like that. And then we go post it. And it's a lot. You know, it's a lot of steps to go, that go into it. But it's it comes with the territory it, for sure. So that, that, that begs the question, what is the ultimate outcome for you? Like what, so it is a job, right. And it's fun for you. So does your social platform allow you to uh, monetize some of the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm, monet, I'm monetized on Snapchat, Instagram, and I have a TikTok going on. And then at YouTube, YouTube, YouTube is monetized as well. Yeah. Man, well, uh, there was a couple of questions that I really want to get to uh, related to just your journey. Because first of all, in, in my phone, still to this day, you're Chris Staples, Detroit. Uh, I don't know why, but apparently Detroit stuck out in my mind. Uh, that is where you hail from. Uh, is that accurate? I'm from Saginaw, Michigan, born, born in Saginaw, Michigan, grew up in Detroit. 
man, you guys are in the news lately. All this stuff with the politics in Michigan's turning up. A lot of, lot of politics right now. Man, it's terrible. Hey, is that where, so is that where mom still lives? No, no, my family kind of lives all over the place. But for the most part, most of my family members live there still. Okay. Was mm-hmm. that like culture shock when you had to go from, was it Michigan to LA? I went from Michigan to Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta for a year before moving to LA. Okay. So it's definitely a culture shock. I'm still a Detroit guy, you know, yeah. even out here in LA, still got a Detroit phone number. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely adjusted to the, the sun. I can't, get, yeah. can't go wrong with the sun over here. I mean, I feel like everybody looks at you like an L.A. boy. So I could uh, I love the fact that you still got affection for your home city. And coincidentally, uh, the last three episodes, you are two of three still. Uh, last dude I did, he's actually out in L.A. too. An L.A. Employ, uh, implant from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So he's Hi. actually a, a director of music videos. So oh, he dope. just had a billboard number one. Uh, Snoop was on it, stuff like that. So you're in good company here on the Fundamism Podcast. That's great, man. I'm honored to be a part of that. Hey, man, there might be a thousand people to listen to it, but you've been, uh, Travis Kelsey's been on here. The mayor of Kansas City's about to drop by. I like to be here. So when you make it big time, I'm like, I was there. I was there when he was shooting in the gym. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I get you. I know exactly what you're referencing. Uh, But nevertheless, man, one thing that I really wanted to get to is your journey, uh, the platform that you have been blessed to be able to, uh, to have and create a living has created a bunch of memorable experiences for you. What's one like experience, like that just jumps off the page as something that you were like, damn, I can't believe I got to do this. or this happened to me. Well, I, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but I would have to say the movie slam a jam. like, have you ever heard of a basketball movie about a slam dunk contest? No. I mean, I have now. Like, yeah, like, you know, we haven't heard of that. And that was just something that you, you wouldn't even, I wouldn't even dream of. Like, they're making a movie about something I actually do. And they're going to put it in Hollywood films like that. And then the thing about it was, it wasn't just me doing the movie, but I had my friends in the movie as well. Like, yeah. my actual friends were a part of this film. And so to say, hey, I did a movie on Hollywood with my, with my homies. <laughs> that just sounds un, unheard of. And at the time when I first started to do, when I first started to get into the slam dunk contest, the most money you could win was $10,000. Now that's nice. You can win $10,000 in a day, but that's not going to make a living. You can't make a living off that. That'll be gone very soon. And living in LA could be gone in a month. Sure. So there wasn't a platform for that yet. It was just like a, a hobby. It wasn't enough to make, you know, a living off of. And so to get from that point to making a movie, you know, to having jobs where you can go all over the world and create content or have these slam dunk contests, you know, it says a lot. And so getting to that point, I I have to go with that. Um, That's one of my best memories. Man. Well, uh, I just... I mean, I just saw a glimpse into uh, your life the day that we, or the week that we worked together at CES and uh, getting to follow you on Instagram. I see some just crazy, amazing content, crazy, amazing experiences. Um, what's your favorite dunk? Because uh, when I see, I don't know what you call it, but back when I used to play Tony Hawk, uh, they had that Christ air dunk. You know what I'm talking about? Dude, that dunk that you do where it's like you're, you know, Jesus is amazing what's your favorite dunk to do the christ air yeah boy <laughs> let's go <laughs> that is my favorite dunk 
it's the Tony Hawk. It's pretty much the Christ here. Yeah. That's where I got it from. You and know, I can make eye contact with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friend came up with it. He was like, man, I saw this dunk. A skateboarder does it. You should try it. I'm like, all right. And so I tried it one time. He's like, wow, you almost got it. And then, you know, he 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 told me I had to give him out a shout out to Billy uh, Doran. He um he came up with it. Yeah. And performed it. Yeah. So. Matter of fact, they just, Tony Hawk just came out. They renamed that uh, to the guy that you're talking about, I think, right? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know about so that. Is this guy, are you talking about like an actual skater or was a dunk artist? No, he's he's a, he's a video guy. But okay. He, yeah, yeah. No, so okay. So there's an article recently. The he didn't come up with the Christ there, but he came up with it for a, for a slam dunk. Gotcha. All right, respect. So Tony Hawk recently came out. Uh, with something that uh, there's this, this guy that came up with the Christ air and, uh, and Tony Hawk was always annoyed that they called it that. And so they just renamed it because with props to this guy. Wow. And, uh, it's, it's pretty significant because based on what I recall, I think the guy's blind or he has a significant disability. And uh, it was a really, it was a game changer for this. I have uh, to look that up. Yeah. I'll send you a link. Uh, oh, yeah. So last question, man. Uh, one of the most, one of the most fun questions for me to ask folks is something that I think could create a lot of conversation and get to know a lot of people beyond just the work, weather, and family conversations that we have regularly. So uh, you're a dude that really invites people into your journey and life. Uh, but that begs the question, what's something uh, that you're proud of or an obscure fact about you that not a lot of people know? Hmm. You know, I'm proud. I would say I'm proud that I, I would say, believed in myself, mm. that I took a leap of faith, no pun intended, but I actually took a leap <laughs> of faith. Um, really believed that I could do whatever I wanted to do, you know, and I did not quit. And so I have to say I'm proud for that because at that, when I was working at Walmart, I was at that point where I'm like, all right, what's next? What's next? Like, what's the next job? And it wasn't basketball. I was at that crossroad where... I could have said, you know what? I've had a lot of letdowns prior to this. Just got sent back home from Spain. Never played college basketball. I've never played college basketball. And so I'm at this stage. I'm 25, never played college basketball. Just got sent, sent home. <laughs> Chris, just go to work. Don't quit your job again. You know, it's like that, that person where they're like, you know, almost that point where like, man, give it up. Give it right. up. You know, sure. you, had, you had your years to do it and you didn't take advantage of it. And I did it. And I, I didn't uh, quit. And, I, and to see where I am today, a lot of my friends who played college basketball, played pro basketball, you know, are either re more likely retired now because at 34 years old, you look at LeBron James as like, man, he's old in the league. He's he's considered old. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and still getting it. But at the same time, he's like a freak of nature. You're like, OK, this is a rarity. Yeah. And so for all my friends who are 34 years old are not playing basketball anymore. Right. They aren't. And so for me to be at this level and still pushing, you know, I, I'm just glad I didn't quit. And so I have to uh, give credit to myself when it comes to believe, believing in myself, you know. For sure. And I, and I want to take that one step further to you as the Fundamentalism Podcast listener. What I took away from Chris's story today is not just that he had the power to believe in himself uh, and he kept at it when he could have given up. But the fact that you had the wherewithal to uh, to devise a strategy, a plan, like there are some times where we have to do the things that we don't want to do. So we get to do the things that we enjoy. Right. And so placing that phone call, uh, you know, sending all those emails, 
posting when you don't want to post, right? These are things that are going to help you propel your platform and your story to get it in the hands of the masses while allowing you to do the things that you love. So from the bottom of my heart, man, I admire you. Uh, I look up to you. You may not know this, but, uh, what? Did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> hey, fun fact about my son. He's actually named after uh, Will Ferrell's character in Step Brothers. His name is Brennan Royal. Really? That's yeah, funny. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, uh, if people want to find you outside of everybody underscore hates Chris S, where can we go for content? Type in Chris Staples pretty much on any platform. Uh, that's been one of my goals because actually Chris Staples is a guitar singer as well. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. So, you know what? I, my goal has been, I want my name to pop up before he is when you go on Google <laughs> because he's dope. He's actually really good. I'm like, man. So we have two Chris Staples and I'm like, all right, uh, I need to make sure my name pops up first. And so sometimes my name is right up there. It's right up there with him. And, you know, yeah. so that says a lot. But if you type in Chris Staples on uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, usually my name will come up there. That's a good goal, my friend. Hey, thank you very much for being on the Fundamism Podcast. I admire you and what you're doing. Someday, I don't know when it'll come, but I'll have the opportunity to repay the favor. You've been trying to get on here, even on Qatar, you were trying to figure out the Wi-Fi situation. So it means a lot to me and the listeners. To you, the Fundamism Podcast listener, we couldn't be whatever the hell we are without you. We appreciate you. So keep tuning in. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share with the masses, because if you want to create fun, joy, and fulfillment in your life, it probably helps others to hear the word as well. So go out, have some fun, be safe today, and smile often. Until we catch you on the flip side, deuces. Peace.